In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we bring a song to you that might be too cool for our podcast. We explore the song's lyrical patheticism. And we talk about how Baz Luhrmann brought a Swedish pop band to North American shores. This is Love Fool by the Cardigans. Frank, you brought this song to me last week. Yes. And I got to say, I wasn't sure because we have a podcast called Guilt-Free Pleasures. And the kind of idea, it's kind of loose, is that we take songs that most people would make fun of you for liking. And then we discuss why it's amazing and why you're part of our crew. We explain away the shame. That's right. But you picked a song that, to me, has always been super cool. And I find myself at odds trying to figure out if this is the moment we jump the shark as a podcast. I picked Love Fool by the Cardigans because it is such an iconic earworm song. And some people, it just drives them nuts when they hear it. Unbelievable. But I love this song. Yeah. I I think it's just this great example of mid-90s sort of alt-pop rock. I think there's an argument to be made that this might be the greatest mid-90s or 90s pop song. To me, it's incredible. Well, didn't Jennifer Page's crush come out in around the same time? Oh, man, we've said this in how many podcasts? This is... (laughs) So, okay. Jennifer Page's crush and this song. Love Fool. Yeah. Yeah, They'll have to have a showdown. Such a good song. Yeah. But also listen to our Jennifer Page episode. Yeah. So the song... What the heck? Nathan Holmes? We have a special guest for the podcast. Come on, sit down. What are you doing here? I was just down the street at Giant Tiger buying some shirts for work and uh, decided to see if you were around. Today's episode of Guilt-Free Pleasures is brought to you by Giant Tiger. Uh, but can I come in? Is this cool? Or what, yeah. are you, what are you guys talking about today? We're talking about... Hate cardigans. Th- oh, the cardigans? Do you like the song Love Fool that was featured in the movie... Romeo, Romeo and Juliet? And- yeah, you already know it. Yeah. And that was directed by that guy who did Baz those- Luhrmann. Yeah, that's it. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for having me. I'm um, glad to be here and talk about Love Fool by the Cardigans. So, have we done some research on the band, the Cardigans, hailing from Sweden? Junkoping. Okay. Sweden. Huge pedigree. Just coming from Sweden means we're probably going to get a great pop band. Yeah. Swedish bands, okay, they go through these waves, right? So, the 70s had ABBA, 70s, early 80s, late 80s rock set, early 90s Ace of Bass, and then... Mid-90s in comes 
the cardigans. Interestingly, at least two of the members of the band were actually into like heavy metal. They were heavy metal musicians. Oh, really? Yeah. Before they actually were in this. Which is also something Sweden is known for, right? They're like... They have that, like the dark metal, the death metal stuff, right? right like yeah. the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, yeah. So I wish I could remember what two members they were, but two of the members were into like the really heavy stuff yeah. and they wanted to do something different. And so they're coming into the cardigans with something special. And it's only recently that I've come to appreciate what goes on in heavy metal because as a kid, I just thought it was uh, terrible. Yeah. But I didn't realize they actually really knew how to play and to do this, especially like those early Metallica stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Early Metallica is fantastic. The musicianship is great. Right. So they're coming in with this musicianship and then coming from heavy metal into pop. Yeah. Going to make an interesting sound. Yeah. So the band is really close knit. They actually, they all live together in an apartment. And it looked like a tiny little room. I yeah. watched a documentary where they went through where they lived, and it just looked like they lived in a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> but the the band came together, and they were auditioning for lead singers, and they brought in a Nina... What? How do you pronounce her last name? So we got name? Nina Pashan, who is... Nina Pashan, yes. Right? And then we have, uh, just to round out the band, we got Peter Svensson, who's the guitar player, who also wrote with Nina this song. You have Lars Olaf Johansson, who is keyboard player, Brent Loggenberg, drums, and Magnus Svenningsen, or Svenison bass. Bass, yeah. So they were auditioning for lead singers, and they bring in Nina, who's barely sung anything ever. Yeah, never sang. She was too embarrassed, and so they had to leave the room while she sang. Yeah, so they all went into that kitchen, So, which means that there was more than one room in this apartment. Yeah. And she's singing while they're making coffee in the kitchen, and they kind of peer out and just like, no, you're the girl for the band. She's got such a fascinating voice to me. There's I a know, purity right? to it, and maybe that comes with not singing often mm-hmm. she's great yeah this band is great it's things i didn't know about the cardigans because for us the cardigans comes out when we're listening to that romeo and juliet soundtrack yeah and we'll get into that a bit yeah but this is their third album yeah last band on the moon yep first band on the moon first band right so there's more to come on the moon apparently okay i always associated them with like there was like that um, 90s kind of easy listening kind of movement that happened, you know, yeah. like cocktail music and then yeah, people got into yes. like, like swing the music, music. Yeah, lounge stuff. music yeah. and stuff. And for, for me, they were part of that, even though the sound of the song is kind of more disco, I guess. But it was to me part of that aesthetic, I yeah. think, which was kind of a reaction against grunge and like dirty long-haired guys making heavy music there was this kind of move to low let's get back to these kind of um easier sounds from the past right and then you know there was like yeah there was part of that was getting into like 60s pop and stuff and the cardigans have that kind of 60s pop feel yeah they definitely have that aesthetic right yeah yeah like late 60s lounge too they're right yeah especially their first two albums when Mm -hmm. you hear them they have that definite 60s feel, easy listening. And then 
there's these other elements that start to get introduced, especially on this album, mm-hmm. where the producer, when he heard the song, because they wrote the song as a bossa nova. Yes. Right? right. So this is what Peter Svensson said. And then the producer, who's the producer, Frank? Tor Johansson. So Tor Johansson said he couldn't stand the bossa nova thing and said, I want a disco groove. Told the drummer to play a disco groove to it yeah. and it altered the song. Yeah. Because he said not a lot of um, artists had been doing disco sounds. So that makes sense in the 90s. You weren't quite getting there, although it was starting to get popular. I remember thinking disco was kind of cool. But then... Um, disco is a maligned genre of music which is fantastic. Listen to the musicianship of disco music. It's so good. Like it's really shiny and overly produced and everything. But oh my goodness, it's fun. Yeah. If I can just correct you there, perfectly produced. Okay. <laughs> but in this song, you have I mean, we can go through each player and what they bring to it. So you got that drum disco beat apparently. But the guitar disco beat is big. I feel like I hear the chic uh, guitar playing Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yes. But there's also that, uh, there's a fuzzy portion of it. Okay. Yes. That kind of brings in the 60s aesthetic for me. Exactly. And it comes on the third album, first band on the moon. Yes. And that entire album is incredible. It's really good. It never did that well in Canada or the US in terms of looking at the charts. No. But... Listening through that and listening to the earlier albums, these guys were heavy, as yeah. we say in the biz. Well, that's the thing. They said when this song came out that... What, what biz? With the podcast, the podcast music podcast biz. biz. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, so when, when this song came out, they were like, we're a rock band, though. We're not a pop band. And this is a, this is a pop rock song. It is. And... In terms of a rock band that you have five players doing their thing, mm-hmm. and it is awesome. Though, also, also, I have a note on here. Bass is popping. Oh, my goodness. The bass is so amazing on yeah. this song. So good. And just to, before we just totally get into it, on the, did you get to hear much of the album at all? Mm-hmm. Did you hear their cover of Iron Man? Yes. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah, yeah. goodness. The, it is legit great yeah 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 okay to the song now sorry to interrupt is it an easy listening version of iron man yes yes oh okay but it is good it is more intelligent than just like hey check this out we're a band that does jazzy versions of songs there's so many bad totally things happening around that whole idea now this one does something i wasn't expecting and I got to be honest, when I heard the album the first time through, I didn't realize it was Iron Man. I just listened to it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Now, this song, what I find fascinating with this is it only has like a four-second build before she starts singing. Yeah. Four seconds. And in that four seconds, we get a harpy synth key sound. That's mm-hmm. what I call it, harpy, like a harp. Go on, explain okay. that some more. <laughs> I wrote down echoey guitar, pulsing drums. Yeah. But you called echoey guitar, what was it was it fuzzy guitar? I think it's kind of like a fuzz guitar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then once she gets in, then we get the disco bass. Does that yes. sound about right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
There's a lot of different elements that you wouldn't think would go together well, combined very well. Oh my goodness. And I listened to another podcast that said there's a lot of seventh notes going on there. I don't know what that means. I know, but I know Ashley does. And every once in a while, she's like, oh, did you hear that? It's a seventh. Oh, did you hear that? It's 11th. And I said, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. However, this is pretty cool. And so, sure, Ashley, these sevenths sound great to me. Yeah. (laughs) Seventh is a note? Yeah. So, there's usually only six and then they put in a seventh and that's pretty special? I'd like to say yes to you. But I worry that someone actually understands what we're talking about will know that I actually have no idea what a seventh is. Yeah. But I, it sounds weird. I don't think people listen to this podcast to learn about how music works. No, not not at all. That breaks my heart a little bit. Doesn't it break yours, Frank? No. It already is broken? Yeah. <laughs> you can't unbreak my heart. <laughs> all right. First verse here. You ready? Dear... I fear internal rhyme. Sorry, let me try again. I couldn't help but get the English teacher going there. That's like the seventh note for you. Yeah. (laughs) Dear, I fear we're facing a problem. You love me no longer. I know and maybe there is nothing that I can do to make you do. Mama tells me I shouldn't bother, that I ought just stick to another man, a man that surely deserves me, but I think you do. How can you not hear bounce? Bowing out, bowing out. Or is that just me? Is that steady as she goes? Steady as she goes. Anyone? No? No. Did you hear that too? Uh, no, I don't know what song you're talking about. But I agree with you, Bill. You can't hear those lyrics without hearing oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, at the end. Yeah, okay. I got to correct myself as an English teacher here. The beginning has like three different rhymes in the first line. Dear, I fear we're. Dear, I fear we're. Okay. Those, they all rhyme. I also find it interesting that she says we're facing a problem, which I find kind of funny because it sounds like he's not interested. No, no, exactly. What I love about the song, there's this great juxtaposition of the confidence in the way that she's singing it. But... And I hesitate to use the word, but the patheticism about begging for for uh, for him to to stay around and just and lie to her about actually being in love with her. Does that make sense to you? Totally. Yeah, I feel it's so cool. The song is so cool. I have this written down. I have to read it. It belies the idea that anyone would not want to be mesmerized by her okay she sounds so cool that when she says love me love me it i feel like i'm being hypnotized yeah and so that i do love her there's a yeah there's a hypnotic quality about that in in the chorus for sure but there's also and i think there's there's maybe it's because we're north american canadian or whatever they're from sweden so English isn't her first language, although they uh, in Scandinavian countries they all speak English so very very well. Anyways, but there's 
that hint of an accent there, which if I can say this is just sexy as anything. There's something very enduring, cute, sexy, just very attractive about the way that she sings and she pronounces her words. So what I've just realized is that this, this song is basically like a Euro trip in a song. Yeah. Being entranced by like the romance of a two week kind of engagement with someone that you oh, yeah. met on a train somewhere. Yeah. There's an exotic nature about this. Yeah. Song. Yeah. And erotic. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I can't divorce myself from the images I see. And so the images are the Romeo and Juliet movie and this video, the American video yeah. that we watched. And she is kind of mesmerizing in these videos. And so it's hard to imagine this outside of her, of anybody not wanting to be with her. Yeah. And everything that I've read about her, the interviews and like anything that she said, she just seems like a super cool person. So I was like, yeah, how can you not want to be with her? She's also super clever because when the song came to her, it was just this the sounds of it. And the vocals that um, Peter Svensson had was, love me, love me. Uh, and that, I think that was yeah, it. Yeah, say that you love me. Say that you love me. That's right. And then so when she's sitting at an airport for whatever reason, she came up with the opposite sort of idea that she'd incorporate it, but have it as this sort of sad, desperate plea. Because she thought it was like too syrupy. Yeah. You need that opposite end of things. And she's right. It works so well because it's mesmerizing and it's also about wanting someone you can't have. Yes. And maybe that's the guilt-free pleasure of it all. Yeah. I mean, have you... Have you ever been, uh, have you ever tried to convince someone to like you when they don't? Yes, Frank. I've had that feeling before. Of course I have. You're trying to explain to someone why they should be with you, but even though they have absolutely no intention. It's horrible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've been there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Okay. So it's like you're singing the Mr. Big song to somebody, but with your big grin and your long flowing hair they just close the train door on your face it's basically like the worst closing arguments to a like a case like a, a in court a court case or anything like that <laughs> trying to convince like the jury or the judge that you know the judge or the jury in this uh, sort of analogy is the object of my affection i'm surprised you didn't go judge jury and executioner <laughs> <laughs> okay the song has an interesting structure mm-hmm. because it has the pre-chorus, so I cry and I beg. That's it. One of the shortest pre-choruses ever. So I cry and, I pray and, I and then it goes to the chorus. But I have written on my notes here, chorus A and then chorus B. Because you have chorus A, which is love me, love me, say that you love me, fool me, fool me, go on, fool me. Love me, love me, pretend that you love me. Leave me, leave me, just say that you need me. And then it goes back to pre-chorus. So I cry and I beg for you too. And then it repeats, love me, love me, say that you love me. Leave me, leave me, just say that you need me. And then it's that great line where she barely uh, can get through. I know, yeah. There's no, she takes one big breath and says, I can't care about anything but you. You. I can barely get my breath. 
have written here, it's just cries of desperation. But it's so dreamy. It's so dreamy and it works so far against the uh, the meaning of the lyrics, the way that it's being sung. Because it, it sounds so like upbeat and positive. But it's like she's just begging, like, love me, love me. But it's she sings it in such a happy, poppy way. Yeah, this song just really crashes against itself that's what reminds me again of like 60s pop like that kind of wall of like the like the phil specter stuff and the girl group stuff like that was all considered so like manufactured and you know factory made pop songs but a lot of those pop songs were filled with exactly this kind of like ironic lyricism that was you know very deeply felt and yearning and there is that kind of counterpoint within those songs too so maybe they're kind of channeling that energy there yeah yeah maybe that's what appealed to us so much in 1996 that it was echoing back to a time too like 30 years earlier or so yeah and it felt so real and so cool it just is such a cool song it was something that was different yeah like you said we, we were kind of coming out of that grunge alternative thing and Everything was going a little more slick, a little more polished, produced. The whole swing lounge movement, like people were coming out in suits on on stage and, and in the bands instead of like, you know, ripped up jeans and a t-shirt that was uh, 14 years old. Exactly. And then the, the Tarantino movies were coming out and it was, yeah. he was picking music from 20 years earlier or so. Mm-hmm. And well, so, there was that huge surf thing that happened through the Tarantino movies. Yeah. Right. There was a few other ones too. Yeah. And that was part of that, again, that resurgence of like the 60s, um, the pre like counterculture 60s, the more like pop 1960s. Yeah. yeah. So this band is perfectly poised and they make a perfect song for this time. Yeah. Yeah. Like when this came out, it didn't really gain any popularity until it was featured in the Romeo and Juliet movie right, right. by Baz Luhrmann. So, and this is 96, I think, 96, yep. 97. Mm-hmm. So this is in around the same time that Swingers came out. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> and oh my goodness, I bought into that sort of look and aesthetic so hard. And I won't use the, the, the term, but I had the white tank top undershirt with the short sleeve shirt, the chain wallets and... You oh, did really? Oh, absolutely! I'm oh, wrong. Wow. Did you still have the long, flowing red hair? No, it was cut at that. Point. Oh, the, you, that's a cool look, though. Like now, that yeah. I mean, I think that still goes now. The thing that doesn't go now is, I mean, the I think the clothes go, but the calling people like Daddyo and like listening to like yeah. Cherry Pop and Daddies or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I challenge you to. Get that wardrobe back. Get back to the Frank Pearson sartorial splendor. We might have another picture somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Coming to Instagram. I think there needs to be a Frank picture for every episode <laughs> now. But let's jump back into the song. We'll talk about the movie again. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I have another connection to the movie. So Great. Okay. So verse two. Verse two. All right. I'm going to try to read this without singing it. Lately I have desperately pondered, spent my nights awake and I wonder what I could have done in another way to make you stay. Reason will not lead to solution. I will end up lost in confusion. I don't care if you really care, as long as you don't go. Lately I have desperately pondered. 
so well written. Yeah. She hits this rock bottom at the end where it's yeah. so sad. Yes. And desperate. As long as you don't go. Yeah. To be able to hit that point, to actually have the words hit just right, yeah. is a pretty incredible feat as a songwriter. Like, I don't care if you really care. Yeah. Like, just pretend. Oh, you know, Heartbreaking. she's a love fool, but that's not real love, is it, Frank? No. <laughs> and then, so it goes after that second verse that, uh, so I cry, I pray, and I beg. And again, there's that patheticism about the song. But then we, we, we jump back into that chorus, right? That love me, love me, say that you love me. Oh, man. Cool. Yeah. It is mesmerizing. And I can't help but to think, and there is, again, that association with the with the movie Romeo and Juliet, but there's also that scene in the movie Hot Fuzz, where the little small town that Simon Pegg's uh, character is the, uh, uh, the constable in, he goes to the local play and they're doing this awful version of Romeo and Juliet, and at the end... Romeo and Juliet die and everything goes black and then everything comes up and the, this chorus line of love me, love me. Yeah. And they're singing and dancing and it's all hot, happy and poppy and, and great. And just like, oh man, like no one gets this song, do they? Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Just to get serious here, Frank, I am interested in that breathless line. I can't care about anything but you. Yes. Because she says I can't instead of I don't. I'm used to hearing I don't care about anything but you but when she says I can't, that feels like a matter of not will but there's a definitiveness. Yeah. This is, she's not able to. Yeah. This is all she can do. Yeah. Again, it's heartbreaking. This is a heartbreaking song. Your great analysis of these lyrics made me think that the 90s were also the age of like the the dawning of irony as like a cultural force or a right. cultural phenomenon and the song and the way it's presented the music that you hear and the arrangements that you hear and how they relate to the lyrics is kind of ironic in nature right yeah there's an irony between the the content of the lyrics and the type of music that you're listening to or that's how it was presented right mm-hmm. and that was like the 90s, the 90s were all about irony in some way. And 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 part of that kind of big 60s easy listening thing was uh, kind of uh, everyone being ironic about liking swing music or liking lounge music or something like that. Yeah, there's a tongue-in-cheekedness about this, right? Yeah. Again, I'm inventing words as we go along. There is a tongue-in-cheekedness. <laughs> But we don't have our tongues in our cheeks here, do we? No, if we did, we wouldn't be able to talk so well. You're reclaiming this song as a sincere um, expression of the pain that you feel when you're trying to stay with someone who doesn't want to be with you. That's right. Or try to stick with me on this. If you imagine you could be with someone you like who you're too afraid to talk to, but she doesn't like you in your head but you just want her to stay with you in your imagination. Okay, so I can't even win in my own imagination? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. You and I I know that we lose even in our imagination. Oh, no, I win in my (laughs) imagination. It's just that's where I stay because that's where I'm happy. A 1990s bill lost on all accounts. Yeah. 
No, I remember having a conversation with a girl once and I just, it was basically begging. It's just, no, 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 no. You don't want to end things with me. No, 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 no. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You, we have fun together. You like me. I like you. We're going to, no, this is going to work. Here's a, here's a, a shocker. It, it didn't work. It actually ended that night. I was not convincing. I'm like Lionel Hutz from The Simpsons. I'm just a ter- terrible argument. <laughs> Do you think that if you had, instead of using the cardigans, if you used uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg by The Temptations, do you think that would have worked better? Do you th- <laughs> uh, no. No, I, no, her mind was made up. Hmm. Oh, that's a great Lyle Lovett song. Yeah. This is why we're here. Even though we've had disastrous moments like this, this is what made the songs mean more. But it's even worse and more painful if the person is convinced by you in that moment, even though they want to break yes. up with you. Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah. they stay with you and they do the thing that you ask them to, which is maintain the charade. That is even more heartbreaking and horrible. In your mind, in that moment, you're like, it'll be all, it'll be perfect if you just pretend to be my girlfriend or boyfriend and that you love me, right? And that's what she's saying in this song, yeah. right? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if he does. If he wants to or yeah. not. Yeah. Just pretend yeah. for that, right now. That's all I maintain need. This, yeah. Maintain this fragile, make-believe world. Illusion, yeah. Okay, hold on, hold on. I don't want to step on categories, but you've made me. Patrick Dempsey can't buy me love. Do you remember the, he paid her money to pretend to be his oh, yeah, girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. but they're actually in love. Was that like a love fool thing? Because it kind of worked. No, if they no, were actually no, no, in love. No, 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 that's the opposite. Because that's a traditional narrative where you yeah. enter into a contract with someone to pretend to be your wife or husband or whatever, and then you actually fall in love. Like it's a right. it's a formal agreement that's pretend that becomes substantial and real. That's like, you know, like Edith isn't that Edith Wharton or something? Isn't that the Oh yeah. Ethan Minnison? from Ethan from that's what I'm Ethan thinking. From, I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah. Should I enter into a contractual love arrangement with someone so that eventually they because will fall in love with me? There is a chance it becomes actual. Yes. Oh, I love to have a actual living Hallmark movie. It'd be like a reality series. This that's is the a Hallmark reverse movie. Hallmark movie. Oh. Because it's the reverse because it's pretend after we know there's nothing there. It's like... The song, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's Hallmark Nihilist movie. Yeah. Oh, we can't have Hallmark Nihilism. That's a different channel. That's channel 103. <laughs> it's called Dark Hallmark. Dark Hallmark. Dark Hallmark. Oh, no. So Hallmark after dark All is so dark. sweet. And sexy, but this is Dark Hallmark, which is like those bad DC comics that have an alternate universe. So I I think we exhausted the patheticism of the lyrics. But you certainly haven't exhausted making up new words. I'm basically <laughs> a living thesaurus. When she sings, she has a chorus of herself singing back. Yes. And the key to this is that she 
sings, and then they EQ her voice in such a way that it sounds like she's in a, like, uh... In the other room. Yeah, or I was going to say aquarium, but I'm glad you finished my sentences. <laughs> okay. She's, yeah, she's in another place, maybe in her own head. Yeah. It's echoing back to her. Yeah. The love me, love me, say that you love me. Right. Fool me, fool me. Go on and fool me. Yeah. Love me, love me. I know that you need me. Which is really dark, too. Yeah. Because it's got a bit of a single white female vibe to me. Yeah. Yeah. And we make up meanings as we go along. Mm. But then it ends with that, I can't care about anything but you. And it's just, like, just sort of eases out oh my goodness and it's just quiet and it's almost scary the way that she sings it like it's almost like you said single white female yeah she's dangerous yeah i feel like i don't understand this song as much as i thought i did that's what happens when you dive deep into the guilt-free pleasure verse Question for you. If this were sung by a guy, which has been done in certain covers, Mm -hmm. I feel that it doesn't land because it sounds like someone that you would call the cops on. Yeah. The way that she sings it, there's a sweetness to it. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So let me try to work this out here. So you you think if we inverted it and it was a male vocalist asking a woman to pretend. Yeah. So basically, it's me singing. Yeah. <laughs> Just for an example, Frank is singing. I feel that, unless it's Frank, but if it's any other guy, <laughs> that there's a tinge of danger to it somehow? Is that fair? Yeah, not, not in the same way that there's, like I said, there's a sweetness to it. There is. And I guess it's the irony of it, right? Because you can't escape her sweetness, but also the fact that she's asking for something that we would understand is... Well, it's something unattainable. Unattainable. Yeah. And also something you wouldn't want for anybody. No, exactly. Well, like Nate said, like, can you imagine being in that relationship where you're able to convince someone that they should stay with you, even though they don't want to be there? But if you convince them, do they now want to? Oh, wow. I think the more common thing is that someone who thinks that they're being kind or generous decides to stay in a relationship longer than is realistic right we know that this is going to end it's going to end badly and if you ended it early it's not going to hurt as much yeah they're just doing more damage by sticking it out yeah All right, uh, we need to talk about the music videos. Did you watch? There's three music videos. Did you watch them? I've only seen really the one, and that's the... American one. The American one, the um, person lo- uh, stranded on the island with the the bottle in the ocean and everything. Nina's eyes are bluer than the ocean. It has to do with what they put around her eyes, I think. I think so. Yeah. 
I don't know what it is, but it's pixie dust. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. It's striking and captivating. Yeah. That is the best music video. Yeah. Now, I know it's fashionable to say the original European video is better. I don't like it. It's too dark and weird to me. In the European video, they have like this like guy who looks like a famous actor, but I don't know where I've seen him before, going into this type of warehouse place where all these people are doing these striptease dances for him okay. while he listens to this like tape recorder and cries, and it turns out it's Nina singing. And she, you can see her singing on this couch to him. And then she sometimes comes into the warehouse and sometimes disappears. And then the other guys in the band are in the warehouse and they have people doing strip teases for them. It's not working for me. Yeah. It's not working for me. What works for me is her singing and everyone's stuck in the bottle that they threw yeah. in the water. Yeah. But the, uh, the aesthetic that comes along with the video, it has that sort of campy feel to it that can't be 60s sort of uh, vibe to it right right? but you think about some of the like mid 90 videos that had um, like when Weezer came out with Buddy Holly and it was the happy day set and all of that it had that same sort of Again, that campy sort of fun feel about yeah. it. And it works because it's 60s and to yeah. us, 60s was kind of campy. Yeah, exactly. And we're not so far removed from um, Austin Powers coming out. That was the huge cultural phenomenon. Yeah, good call. Yep. Did you like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet? I liked it when I saw it. So when I saw it in the theaters, it was in university and I remember when this song came on and I was just like, holy cow, this this is a bonkers song. And this was really fun and, and poppy and just like, yeah, the like love me, love like it, but then not understand. That was what the, the first time you heard the song was in the movie? I think so. Oh. For sure, yeah. If I if I remember correctly. It seems so clever back then, but as I taught Romeo and Juliet, I would show the Zeffirelli version and then I'd show the Lerman version. Because if you showed two movies, it would take up more time in the week. <laughs> but then as time went on, I think I stopped showing the learn. It just felt too forced. I remember when I saw the movie, it was... Uh, I went with this this girl that I was interested in. And turns out she was interested in me, but I was just too... Uh, oh, no. I, n- I never really made a move. Oh, no. I know. I was a fool. Oh no! This you feel like this is a Michael McDonald line now. Just an now. ordinary fool. Just though, an ordinary, ordinary fool. But uh, I remember we thought we were so smart because we were sneaking snacks into the theater. But we went to the grocery store. We bought like, and I'm trying to like impress this girl a little bit. So we we stuck in like blueberries and grapes. It's just like this is the most pathetic. That's like, kind of cute, is okay. it? But yeah, and and I think that was also why I really liked the movie at the time because you really liked her. I I liked her, and she liked the movie. So I was like, yeah, of course I like this movie. I like everything you like, but I'm also too scared to actually ask you out, tell you how I feel. Oh, and oh it's man. the most adorable story though. Getting Is blueberries. It- <laughs> what is he? Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that's me. Just adorable. <laughs> that's true. So. This is Guilty Pleasures, and we need to talk about this. Michael Bolton. No. Okay. But I have an idea. Okay. 
Rod Stewart covers this for the great Swedish songbook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And Michael Bolton is going to be his backing voice. So when Rod Stewart sings, love me, love me, and then Michael Bolton says, say that you love me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that would be... The creepiest version of the song yeah. ever. Like, I love Michael Bolton and everything, but uh, I, this just just does not fit in his wheelhouse. Or are you saying his blue eyes won't be blue enough in the no. video? He's got green eyes, Bill. Uh, okay. Do you have a Hallmark movie to go with this? Isn't there a whole genre of Hallmark movies, like a whole subset of Hallmark movies that are like this? Oh, I'm thinking Lifetime. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. They're much darker. Yeah. The only way it works as a Hallmark movie is it is a contractual obligation where he is pretending to love her, but then falls in love with her quirks and foibles and really does love her at the end. Yeah, yeah. In New so Hampshire. she's saying it, but he actually does love in her. In New Hampshire. They just don't know each other. Yeah. They just don't know they love each other. Yeah. Like you at the movies, but a happier version. Yeah, we knew we liked each other. Well, I don't no, think she knew don't that. don't say that. No, I don't think she knew that I liked her. Cause oh, come on, Frank. Did you know that I was terrified of girls for about 36 years of my life? I couldn't see it because of my terror of girls. <laughs> Time to head to Remix Corner. Hey guys, it's your friend Nathan with uh, Remix Corner. You know what? Not much in terms of remixes for the song, surprisingly. There is one album, however, uh, a remix EP by the uh, the greatest of all time, Todd Terry. He offers, I think, five or six different remixes of the song. There's a radio remix that's kind of shorter. They're all great. Todd Terry is a, a New York house legend, part of Masters at Work. Um, he's done some great remixes on this one remix EP. But besides that, there's not that much in terms of remixes. Frank, did you bring a mixtape to the proceedings here? I did. I like that this is a, a court session now, but yes, I also brought a mixtape. Okay, all right. You want me to go first? Yes, I'm going to allow you to go first. Thanks. Okay, here's my idea. I'm putting in songs that are cooler than me. Now, <laughs> I know the easy response from our listeners, and you know who you are, which is most of you, is, isn't every song cooler than Bill? That's very funny, but I'm picking songs sung by female singers that are so cool that I feel like I could listen to, but they're just too cool for me. So you're basically making a playlist of all the crushes that I've had on female singers. Most definitely. Okay. Oh, most definitely. Okay, ready? First one, we'll start with the Cardigans, Love Fool. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go with Feist, One Evening. All nice. Which is an awesome song. and features our buddy, Rich Turfry, dancing in the video. That's right, yeah. And then Real Hero by College and Electric Youth. Yeah. From the Drive movie, which is really violent. Yeah, but that song is so awesome. 
Next is Running Up That Hill. Okay. A Deal with God by Kate Bush, mm-hmm. which is also in um, Stranger Things. I got two left. Don't give spoil anything. Also really violent. Next up, No Ordinary Love by Sade. Oh, nice. Oh, is, wow. Which is from uh, Indecent Proposal. Mm-hmm. I never saw it, but I bet it's pretty violent. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Teardrop by Massive Attack. Oh, yes. <laughs> Way too cool. Oh, wow. They didn't invite me to the after party. Glory Box. I Portis was going to say Glory Box. There it That's is. a great song, yeah. too. Yeah. And then I'm ending with Criminal by Fiona Apple because oh, okay. she's super cool and yeah. Pitchfork gives her 10 on whatever she does. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay, my theme, I went with, they're all soundtrack songs as well. Okay. Love Fool being on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack kind of launched them. So these are artists who are launched by the soundtrack. Any of them Phil Bean Esposito? No. Okay. Although he should be. So we'll start with Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer, which was on the She's All That soundtrack. Yeah, very good. Yes, it was. Fame by Irene Cara from Fame. She had a career beforehand, but in the pop music scene, she was launched by this song. Well done. Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio from the Dangerous Mind soundtrack. Really didn't know about Coolio until that song came out. That was a great Andy Garcia movie. (laughs) Um, It Must Have Been Love by Roxette on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Wow. Another great Swedish band. Um, This, it was an artist that he had a career, but this song really propelled him to the top of the top. Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Wow. On the Batman Forever soundtrack. Most emotional of the Batman movies. Yeah. And we're going to end it off with Stay, I Miss You by Lisa Loeb on Reality Bites. Wow. I mean, end the podcast right here. That's a mic drop. I'm going to my car to listen to all those songs in the Taco Bell parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Taco Bell, for also (laughs) sponsoring. Sorry, I'll go to the Giant Tiger parking lot if you want. I think they have frozen burritos there, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Nate for joining us. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me um, sit in with you. All of a sudden. Yeah, you just, there he was. It's okay if I pop in whenever, right? Totally. And we want to thank our listeners for showing up to our episodes. And, you know, sometimes you might stray away, but you come back. And just know that when you do leave... I spent my nights awake and I wonder what I could have done in another way to make you stay. But we hope that you will now stay with Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. <laughs>